There is going to be greenery everywhere, plants everywhere. And have you noticed how recently you might have been seeing that the ground that was beige and brown, the grass that was all burnt, is now turning green and lush? The trees that were barren are now growing colorful buds. Yeah? And the earth that was brown, what's growing on it? Colorful flowers? At every level, you see that color, that vibrancy, right? But what happens to this? People admire it, people enjoy it, and they think they have control over it. But do they actually have control over it? No. Because that same tree, what happens to it? When that stormy wind of winter comes, what happens? It sheds all of its leaves. All those petals, they die. All that color goes away. And you may have noticed in the winter that we just passed, that even before the snow fell, because of the cold, chilly wind, what would happen to the grass? It lost its color. Isn't it? All the trees, they lost their color. So anything that comes into existence in this world, it reaches its peak at some point or another. Right? Whether it's a person or an animal or a plant, what happens to it? It reaches its peak. It's very attractive. It's very beautiful. But then what happens when it reaches that point? It begins to decline until it completely ends. So likewise, as we are living on this earth today, as we are living these lives today, are we going to be here for eternity? No. What's going to happen? One day, finally, what's going to happen? We who are walking on the surface of the earth will be put under the earth. Right? We who possess so much are going to lose everything that we own one day. So this example, what's the main lesson that we learned from it? The transitory reality of this life. That how temporary it is. And if we realize that something is very temporary, how much do we attach our heart to it? How much? Very little. Isn't that so? Like for example, I remember when we first came here, the original idea was to just be here for a year or two. And uh, we had made up our minds that that's it, we're not going to fill up the house with anything. Because we have to wrap everything up and go back, right? Because the initial plan was just to visit. But then I got married here and I got settled here, so things changed. But just to give you an example, that when you know that you're at some place temporarily, like you travel somewhere, you go to your grandparents' house, they give you a room, that this is your room, this is where you're going to stay. Do you pretend like it's your room forever? There are things that you don't like about it, but what do you do? What do you do? You bear it, right? You do what you have to do at your grandparents' house. You don't spend your entire time setting up the room and then packing up in order to leave. If you did that, that would be a total waste of time. Correct? So when we realize that we are at some place for some time, we are living on this earth for a little while. What is necessary? That we remember the purpose for which we are here. This is why the Prophet ﷺ said, كُن فِي الدُّنْيَا كَأَنَّكَ غَرِيبٌ أَوْ عَابِرُ السَّبِيلِ Stay in this dunya as if you were a stranger or just a passerby. As if you were a traveler, you were just passing by. This is how you should be living on this earth. 
not that you live this life as if you were here to settle forever. Because if you spend your life settling down, what's going to happen? Before you know it, it's time to go. So what was the point of settling down when it's so temporary? It doesn't mean that a person doesn't have a house to live. He doesn't have things that he owns. He doesn't have things that he can benefit, he can enjoy from. No, you do that. Like for example, when you're traveling, you do take your necessities with you, right? You even take something by which you can get entertained by, like for example, your iPhone or your iPad, right? And you have things that you can do on it for fun. But that's not the ultimate reason for travel. You're not sitting on a plane so that you can play on your iPad. Is it? Is that the reason why you sit on the plane? Why do you sit on the plane? So that you can get to a particular destination. So yes, you are doing things to have fun with, but that fun is not the goal. Likewise, this dunya, this life that we are living right now, the goal is not to settle here. The goal is to prepare for the home of, the home of, the hereafter. So this is why the dunya should never become the goal of a person. And if it becomes the goal, then what will happen? What will happen? Disappointment. Right? We'll be heartbroken. Because if our happiness is dependent upon having something our way, right? Or having something forever, and the reality is that we cannot have it forever, it cannot be our way, then can we be happy? No, we cannot be happy. There's two approaches towards happiness. There's two ways. Some people approach happiness meaning they want to be happy. How? Based on circumstances. Circumstantial. That if these circumstances are there, then I'll be happy. If these things are there, if this happens in my life, then I will be happy. But tell me, are circumstances in your control? No matter how much you think things are in your control, are they really in your control? No. And it's quite possible that you're striving for something for your whole life, but you don't get it. Does that mean you'll be miserable and unhappy? No. The other way of being happy is through one's disposition. Synthesized happiness. That when you make yourself be happy, when you make the most of what you have, the situation that you're in, and you make yourself happy. You settle with what you have in the sense that you say, okay, alhamdulillah, this is what I have and I'm going to make the best of my situation. You don't wait for the perfect time. You don't wait for the perfect circumstances. Out of these two people, who do you think is happier? The second one, right? Because the first one, he's always losing, losing. He's always getting disappointed. The other day I was at this grocery store and I happened to pass by this man who was just swearing away and I got scared. I thought he was, he just got upset because he saw me. You know, like some people, they, they just get upset when they see a Muslim. So I almost got that feeling. And I'm like, not looking at that person, just going my way, pretending as if I cannot hear him. And I saw him go in from one aisle to the other, upset and angry and swearing because he couldn't find what he wanted. And then, after like half an hour when I'm done my groceries, like I took my time because I had my kids with me. I get to the checkout and he's standing in another line and he's standing there furious and he's got just a couple of things. It took us the same amount of time. I had a cart full and he had a basket full. Okay? He's standing at the end of the line. I'm standing at the front. 
He was so angry, so upset, swearing away constantly. And I was like, wow, that looks like an unhappy person. I don't know why he was mad. Allahu a'lam. But it seemed like either he got mad because he saw me, or he got mad because he couldn't find what he wanted. But if you think about it, how miserable could a person be? That just because we cannot find something where we thought it would be, we get upset and angry? Is it going to speed up the grocery trip? Is it going to get us what we want? No, it's not. So what do we learn then? That everything is good for a believer, right? Because if he gets something, he is grateful, and that is good for him. And if he loses something, he is patient, and that is also good for him. It's a win-win situation, always. Why? Because the dunya is not in his heart. He has not attached himself to it. Because his dunya is very, very transitory and temporary. And if we try to catch something that is fleeting, that is definitely going to slip away, what are we going to get at the end? Only disappointment and frustration. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us why we are here and what we should be going after. And what is that? Wallahu yadru ila dar salam. Allah calls us to the home of peace. Make that your goal. Wayahdi man yasha'u ila siratin mustaqim. And He guides whomsoever He wills to the right way. But He knows who's worthy of that guidance. And those people who do ihsan, who live their life in an excellent way, ahsanu. Ahsanu is from what? Ihsan. Ihsan is from husn. Husn is beauty. Not a boring life, but a beautiful life. Alright? And what makes a person's life beautiful? What makes it beautiful? The fact that they wore beautiful clothes? Yeah? What makes life beautiful? Your character. Your disposition. Your actions. Your words. Your thinking. Right? Because a person could be dressed up very beautifully, but if they're saying harsh words, you want to keep away from them. Their beauty is not attractive at all. Right? So, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا Those people who did ihsan in their lives, meaning in their actions, in their words. And what is it that brings ihsan? What is ihsan? How did the Prophet ﷺ describe it? That you worship Allah as though you see Him. So those who do ihsan for them will be al-husna, the most excellent. Because you get what you do, you reap what you sow. Right? So if you sow cheap quality, poor quality seeds, then what are you going to get? Probably nothing. Yeah? Is that so? Why? Because it's going to die in the rain. It won't be able to fight the weeds. So what's going to happen? It's just going to die. But if you sow seeds that are of higher quality, then what are you going to reap? Something. And what is that something going to be? Something good, right? Not just anything, but something good, right? So, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَى For them is الْحُسْنَى Where? When? In this life and also in the next. And primarily this is referring to Jannah. And notice, الْحُسْنَى This begins now, in this life and in the Akhirah. Because after الْحُسْنَى is وَزِيَادَةً even more, increase. And what is that? The height of reward is what? Being able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Knowing that Allah is happy with a person. 
He will never be upset with a person. So, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَ وَزِيَادَةً And for such people, there will be no gloom, no humiliation, no disgrace that will overcome them on the Day of Judgment. And they are the people of Jannah who will abide therein eternally. On the other hand, those who do sayyi'at, what are they going to get? جَزَاءُ سَيِّئَةٍ بِمِثْلِهَا Exactly what they sowed. Exactly what they put in the ground, that's what they're going to get. Right? You reap what you sow. And because the actions are evil, this is why the consequences are also going to be evil. الظُّلْمُ ظُلُمَاتِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Injustice, oppression, is going to be in the form of darkness on the Day of Judgment. Right? It's going to be in the form of darkness for a person on the Day of Judgment. So those who do evil, that's what they're going to see. That's what they're going to see. Like in the Qur'an we learn, يُعْرَفُ الْمُجْرِمُونَ بِسِيمَاهُمْ Criminals will be recognized by their faces, by their appearance. Meaning that sin will become visible on the Day of Judgment. Because the spiritual condition of a person is going to be his physical, tangible, visible condition on the Day of Judgment. So those who do evil, that's what they're going to get. وَتَرْهَقُهُمْ And humiliation and disgrace is going to overcome them. Has it ever happened that you did bad at a test? Has it ever happened? Or you're like always, you know, good in your tests. Has it ever happened that you performed poorly on your test, assignment, exam, anything? Doesn't matter whether you were sick or you didn't study, whatever the reason. You did not do well on that test. Okay. So when you get that test paper back, what do you do? What do you do? You see 10 out of 30. And you're like, Astaghfirullah. La hawla la quwwata la billah. What do you do? Do you just leave it on the desk so that people who are sitting next to you, they can see it? Yeah? And you just leave it on the dinner table so that when your dad comes home from work, he can. that's the first thing he sees. Yeah? What would you do? Hide it, right? Put it away, like fold it and just stick it in your bag and open it with the room door closed with a shredder in front of you so that you can just pull it out and shred it immediately. Yeah? And if somebody sees it, how do you feel? How do you feel? Embarrassed, right? If a bad test, a bad mark becomes known to somebody, is that a source of humiliation? Embarrassment? Yes. On the Day of Judgment, the sins that a person has committed, they will be visible. Hashr. In the gathering of Hashr, when everyone is present. And you know what? In the Hashr, there is nothing at all under which, behind which, beneath which, a person could take shelter. Everything is going to be evident on that day, in that gathering. Because there is no mountain, there is no tree, there is no building, nothing at all. In the Qur'an we learn that the earth will be such, لا You will not even see any crookedness in the earth, meaning flat, plain surface. You can't even find a rock under which you can put something. And you can't like, Rip it and throw it away. You can't. It's Everything is going to be visible. So if a person does not seek forgiveness now, does not do tawbah now, does not turn to Allah seeking His pardon and forgiveness, what's going to happen? Sins are going to be visible. 
Some people are going to be humiliated in that way. Now imagine that embarrassment and humiliation and disgrace covering a person. It's like, you know, if somebody finds out that you did bad on a test, instantly some people, their face goes red. Red. When you see their face, you know that, okay, something's not right. They can't hide their emotions. Alright? So on the Day of Judgment, nobody will be able to hide their emotions. تَرْحَقُهُمْ ذِلَّهِ Humiliation and disgrace will overcome them. They won't be able to resist it. But there will be some people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call and will converse with privately so that no third can hear that conversation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring a believer very close to himself and remind him of the blessings that he bestowed on him. Remind him of the sins that he committed. Do you remember when you said that? Do you remember when you did that? And the believer, he will keep on confessing, yep, I did it. Yes, I did that. To the point that he will think, that's it, I'm doomed. If Allah is asking me about my sins, that's it, I'm, I'm done. If he's reminding me, that means he didn't forgive me, perhaps. And a believer will think, that's it, he's done with. He's just going to hell. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to him, I concealed your sins in the world. And today, I forgive them. Today, I will not hold you accountable. But this is who? The one who fears Allah. The one who realizes his mistakes. Who keeps doing istighfar. Who keeps turning back to Allah. لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا But if a person commits a sin, justifies it, persists on it, says whatever, we'll deal with it when it comes, we'll see what happens. Then, وَالَّذِينَ كَسَبُوا سَيِّئَاتِ جَزَاءُ سَيِّئَةٍ بِمِثْلِهَا وَتَرْهَقُهُمْ ذِلَّهِ مَا لَهُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ مِنْ عَاصِمٍ No one will be able to rescue them. No one will be able to save them from Allah. Because if Allah is punishing someone on the Day of Judgment, who can free them? Who can free them? Who can release them? Nobody can. مَا لَهُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ مِنْ كَأَنَّمَا أُغْشِيَتْ وُجُوهُمْ قِطَعًا مِنَ اللَّيْلِ So gloomy their faces will be as if pieces of the night, meaning dark pieces of the night, like blackness. Like you know, smoky, dark patches on their faces. It's like if somebody has been working in front of the fire for a long time, and I'm talking about like a bonfire or something, then what happens? Darkness overcomes them, right? Dirt and smoke and all of that covers them. So qita'a min al-layl, so dark, so embarrassed, so humiliation, zulumat, because al-zulm zulumat yawm al-qiyamah. Ula'ika ashabu nar hum fiha khalidun. So what do we learn? On the Day of Judgment, some people, their faces will be full of happiness and radiance and delight and excitement. Excitement. And on the other hand, some people, their faces will be covered with darkness and humiliation and embarrassment. يَوْمَ تَبْيَضُّ وُجُوهُ وَتَسْوَدُّ وُجُوهُ On the day when some faces will be bright and some faces will be gloomy and dark and embarrassed and humiliated. وَيَوْمَ نَحْشُرُهُمْ جَمِيعًا And on the day that we will gather them all together, جَمِيعًا, every single one, so that no one will be absent. Now think about yourself. You know when يَوْمَ نَحْشُرُهُمْ جَمِيعًا We will gather them together. Now think about us. When we will be gathered. When I will be part of that assembly. 
then what's going to happen? ثُمَّ نَقُولُ لِلَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا Then we will say to those people who did shirk, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will address the polytheists, the mushrikeen, and will say to them, مَكَانَكُمْ مَكَان What does مَكَان mean? Place. مَكَانَكُمْ Your place. Meaning stay in your place. Do not move. Don't try to run and hide somewhere and get away. Makanakum. You cannot move until you're questioned. You cannot move until justice is established. Makanakum. Remain at your places. Because you see, on the day of judgment, when people are going to be resurrected, they will all be gathered in Al-Hashr. Right? And then people will be divided into groups in the sense that each person will be with the group of people that he is similar to, that he is like. Even if there is a difference of thousands of years between them, still, if these two individuals were similar in their actions, in their nature, in their destination, what will happen? They will be, they will be put together. So what will happen? In the Qur'an we learn that the criminals will be told, وَمْتَازُ الْيَوْمَ That separate yourselves. Meaning don't try to mix in with the believers. Don't try to be with you know, the believers. Like we learn that the munafiqeen, when darkness will come and people will be told to cross the bridge, the munafiqeen, they will not have any light. The hypocrites, because they were apparently with the Muslims, right? In this life. So, they will not have any light of iman with them, but the believers will have a lot of light with them. So the hypocrites, they will say to the believers, that wait for us, نَقْتَ بِسْمِ nurikum, So that we can take some of your light. Wait, hold on, so that we can also benefit from your light, because it's so dark over here. But what will they be told? Go back to where you were. And then a wall will be placed between so that the hypocrites cannot mix in with the believers. They cannot come and join with the believers. So likewise, before that, those people who disbelieve, those people who do shirk, those people who reject Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will be separated from who? From the believers. Now think about it. If there's a big group of people, right? And like for example, at the airport. Hmm? And everybody is told to go in their respective lines. If you have business class tickets, then you go to that counter. If you have otherwise, then you go to that counter. Right? But then some people, what do they try to do? They're like, you know what? Let's just go in the business class line. You never know. They might just accept us. So they go and stand there. But then what happens when they show their tickets? They're like, excuse me, sir. Please go and stand in the other line. Right? Please go and stand in the other line. You do not have the right to come here. You do not qualify for this. But in this world, aren't people so polite? They're very polite. Imagine on the Day of Judgment, people are told, مَكَانَكُمْ Stay in your places. Don't you dare move. Don't try to mix in and go along with the people of Jannah. Stay where you are. مَكَانَكُمْ أَنْتُمْ يُوْ وَشُرَكَاؤُكُمْ And your partners, meaning those whom you associated with Allah. فَزَيَّلْنَا بَيْنَهُمْ So what will happen? The mushrikeen and their idols, their shuraka, their false gods are together. But obviously the shuraka, those whom they worship, did they ever tell them to worship? I mean there are some 
who tell people to worship them. But there are many who don't tell people to worship them. Like for example, even idols that are made of gold, that are made of wood, that are made of stone, did they ever tell people, carve me out and do sajda to me? No. Because all of these are servants of Allah and they're worshippers of Allah. So it's not possible that a stone would tell people, worship me. Right? That a tree would tell people, prostrate to me. Likewise, there are righteous people. Amongst them are prophets of Allah. Right? Who are worshipped besides Allah. For example, Isa salam. So what will happen? Those whom they worship besides Allah, they will completely dissociate themselves from the mushrikeen. They'll say, we never told you. We never asked you to worship us. So what will happen? فَزَيَّلْنَا بَيْنَهُمْ زَيَّلْنَا From زَيَّلَ زَيَّلَام زَيْل is to separate. So زَيَّلْنَا We will separate. Basically it is to remove something from its original place. So when it's removed, then what has happened? It has been separated from where it was. You understand? Like for example, in a basket, you had apples and oranges. You removed the apples. So you separated the apples from what? From the basket. Correct? So this is what zayyala is. فَزَيَّلْنَا بَيْنَهُمْ We will separate them. Meaning, the polytheists will be separated from the gods whom they worshipped. These gods whom they heavily depended upon. Whom they loved and adored. They thought if they had anything good in their life, it was because of those gods. It was because of Jesus Christ. Hmm? It was because of a particular idol. That's what they thought. But what's going to happen on the day of judgment? Zayyalna. They'll be separated. Imagine there's something or someone that you heavily depend upon. Or you think that it's a source of relief for you, a source of getting out of your problems for you. For example, some people, they heavily depend on their phones. So what happens if they're separated from their phone? Do they become anxious? Do they? Very, very anxious. To the point that if a person drove from their house 50 minutes away and they realize they don't have their phone, what are they going to do? They're going to turn around, go back, get their phone, even if it takes them two hours to get to their destination. They will do that. Why? Because they heavily depend on it. Imagine on the day of judgment, زَيَّلْنَا بَيْنَهُمْ They're separated. وَقَالَ شُرَكَاؤُهُمْ And their associates will say, مَا كُنْتُمْ إِيَّانَا تَعْبُدُونَ You did not used to worship us. It wasn't us whom you used to worship. Meaning they will reject any worship, any subservience that the polytheists showed to them. They will reject it. They will say, no, no, you didn't worship us. But didn't they actually worship them? If you think about it, that's what they thought they were doing. So why will the shurakat say that? You weren't worshipping us. You were worshipping your nafs, yourself, your desires, the shaitan. You did what you wanted. You followed your desire, even though the truth was evident to you. You pursued it. You weren't worshipping us. فَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ شَهِيدًا بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ إِن كُنَّا عَنْ عِبَادَتِكُمْ لَغَافِلِينَ Now imagine this love that they had for their idols. It will turn into disassociation on the Day of Judgment. Imagine this love is going to become a source of torture for them. It will become a source of torture for them. Think about it. A person has been worshipping someone their entire life. 
on that day they know they're in trouble but still they depend on them hoping that from somewhere relief will come through them they're separated from them first of all and secondly these shuraka don't even say any words of comfort to them it's like you know a mother she's not able to help her child but she says it's okay sweetie you'll be able to go through it you're good you can do it inshallah right so at least those words of comfort from thousands of miles away even they help but what will the shuraka say You didn't used to worship us. We had no idea this is what you were doing. You were just worshiping your own desire. You were worshiping the shaytan. This love will become a source of torture for them, adab for them. Because, وَكُلُّ مَنْ أَحَبَّ اللَّهَ أَنِيسَ بِهِ Whoever loves Allah, that love will be a source of comfort for him. وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ غَيْرَ اللَّهِ عُذِّبَ بِهِ And whoever loves other than Allah, he will be tortured through it. In this life and in the next And they will say, فَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ شَهِيدًا Sufficient is Allah as a witness. بَيْنَنَا between us وَبَيْنَكُمْ and between you. Meaning Allah is sufficient as a witness between us and you. He knows that in kunna, indeed we were عَنْ عِبَادَتِكُمْ from your worship لَغَافِلِينَ Surely unaware. We had no idea you were worshiping us. How can a tree know that someone is doing sajda to it? How can someone in the grave know that there are thousands of people outside making dua to me? They don't know. In kunna an ibadatikum lagafilin. Just imagine the pathetic state of such people on the day of judgment. How pitiful! Like think about it. Running after someone, thinking that their life depends on them, and on the day of judgment they just reject them, refuse them. This is why in the Quran Allah tells us, "Woman adallu," and who is more lost, mimman than the one who yadru min dunillahi, who calls upon someone other than Allah. Who could be more lost than this person? Because his du'a is never going to be accepted. It's never going to be heard. It's never going to be responded to. And on the day of judgment, it will be used against him. Hunalika. What does hunalika mean? Right there and then, on that day when this will happen. Tablu, it will examine. Tablu is from bala, balam wow. What does bala mean? Test, trial. What's the purpose of a trial? To examine the true strength, the true capacity of something. So hunalika tablu, it's like you know when you are going to buy a piece of furniture or something, and then they have like heavy weights placed on it or some kind of machine pushing it, right? Why? To show you. That this is how strong it is, right? So you test something in order to see what it's worth, what capacity it has, in order to examine it. So hunalika tablu kullu nafsin. Every person is going to examine on that day, and when it examines it, it's going to know its reality. What is every person going to examine? ما أسلفت ما whatsoever أسلفت it did previously it sent previously أسلفت سين لام ف what does that mean when something is done right in the past so ما أسلفت whatever it did and sent forward for itself in the hereafter in other words all of their actions every person will see their actions. And they will examine them, and they will know what those actions are worth. It's like a person will be handed their book of deeds, 
And when they're handed their book of deeds, they will just know, okay, this is where I'm going. Like in the Quran, Allah tells us that a person will be given his book and he'll be told, اِقْرَأْ كِتَابَكَ كَفَى بِنَفْسِكَ الْيَوْمَ عَلَيْكَ حَسِيبًا Read your book, read your record, and you will know yourself. You will know yourself. You are the best judge for yourself. You know what you deserve. You know what you deserve. It's like if you get your test paper, and you've written the word to a translation, and you don't even see the total mark, but you see that it's red. It's red on every line, every other word. There's a big cross mark and there's a correction. Without even looking at the total mark, do you know what that test paper is worth? Do you know if you've passed or failed? Yeah. And if you get your test paper back, and there is no total mark, but there is a barakallahu feek, with an exclamation mark, and like five stars or something. When you see that test paper, you know what you've got. Right? So just like that, a person will be given his record on the Day of Judgment, and he will know. He will know what he deserves. هُنَالِكَ تَبْلُوا كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا أَسْلَفَتْ وَرُدُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ And they will be returned to Allah. Who is Allah? مَوْلَاهُمُ الْحَقِّ Their true Mawla. Their true Master. Their true owner. Mawla. You see there is Mawla and there is Wali. Hmm? Mawla, it shows that someone who really, really is the Wali, is the owner, is the friend, is the master. So they will return to Allah who is their true Mawla. In this life, they have made others their Mawlas. Have they? Have people made others their Mawlas? Many. Some have made an idol their mawla, some have made a dead person their mawla, some have made something else as their mawla. Who is their true mawla? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَضَلَّ عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ And whatever they used to invent and fabricate, lost. All those justifications that they had made up for their shirk, lost. It's like, you know, people say, on the Day of Judgment, this is what I will say. This is what I will tell Allah. If there is really a God, this is what I'll tell him. There was this atheist who was watching a video clip about him. He was asked, that, what if, I mean, when you die, you find out that there is God, then what are you going to say to him? So he was laughing. And he said that, I'll say something really dumb. Uh, one thing he said, and the other thing he said was, that I'll say, why did you try so hard to hide yourself from me? Or something like that. And I was like, what an arrogant person he could be. And this is what happens. People take a lot of pride in the sin that they're committing. And they say, yes, on the day of judgment, this is what I will say to God. I committed this wrong because you put me in this situation. What could I have done? But what does Allah tell us over here? Whatever excuses they make up now, gone. Whatever idols, false gods they've invented, lost. Those false gods will not show up. Because shirk is based on what? Facts? No, it is based on what? Assumption, falsehood. And falsehood has no reality to it. Shirk has no reality to it. So on the day of judgment, shirk is not going to help a person at all. It's going to be lost. All those beings that he relied upon previously are not going to show up to help him that day. It's like you're not preparing for a test, you're just making a cheat sheet. 
And you say, you know what, when I'm going to the examination hall, I'm going to hide this cheat sheet, you know, in my pocket. And when I go inside, I'm just going to take it out, hide it under my hijab, under my big jilbab, and then I will copy everything off of it. But then imagine a person walking into the examination hall, and that cheat sheet is found. Hmm? And they're told, please leave this outside. What can they do? They can't take it inside. They leave it outside. And when they go inside and the test paper comes in front of them, what are they going to do? If they had studied for the exam, perhaps they would be okay now. But because they heavily relied upon something false, something wrong, now they're lost. Let's listen to the recitation. وَيَوْمَ نَحْشُرُهُمْ جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ نَقُولُ لِلَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا مَكَانَكُمْ أَنْتُمْ وَشُرَكَاؤُكُمْ فَزَيَّلْنَا بَيْنَهُمْ وَقَالَ شُرَكَاؤُهُمْ مَا كُنْتُمْ إِيَّانَا تَعْبُدُونَ فَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ شَهِيدًا بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ إِن كُنَّا عَنْ عِبَادَتِكُمْ لَغَافِلِينَ هُنَالِكَ تَبْلُو كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا أَسْلَفَتْ وَرُدُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ مَوْلَاهُمُ الْحَقِّ وَضَلَّ عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته